the Golden Stanley and the Man of Tomorrow, Savzu, the Rated R Radio Star, once again in a car, of course, with the lovely and hyper-intelligent Dr. Stephanie Murphy. And uh, we've, uh, thank you, Stephanie, of course, for being on uh, for this fun little Patreon content. Oh, yeah, I look forward to these. I'm glad we're doing it, like, on a regular basis. Yeah, so this is... I uh, said doing it. (laughs) 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 This is, um... Daria's, like, one of your favorite cartoons, right? I love Daria, yeah. I didn't... I was never really a fan of Beavis and Butthead, which is where that laugh comes she, from. But, yeah, and where, yeah. but where Daria also started. Like, yeah, Daria a, did start on Beavis yeah, and Butthead. Yeah, she was originally from that. Yeah, right. I'm a huge Beavis and Butthead fan, like crazy. Like, I have the King collection and everything. I'm, I'm just nuts about it. Daria's way better. I, I love Daria. In fact, I've said this before, like, all of the... Or pretty much most of the great women I've known in my life... Like, they're all major Daria fans. It's kind of weird. So, I don't know yeah. if that created great women or what. generation that grew up on Daria. Fucking right. <laughs> so, anyway, um, this is going to be uh, the monthly Relationship Rhombus show. Uh, this one being for December. Of course, coming out at the end of December. But, uh, yeah, we do these once a month. And, and I think people really love this. Uh, and we have a good time. And since nobody's complained yet about us doing it in the car, about the sound or anything like that, I mean... You know, there's times where... Well, here's the thing, right? In New Hampshire, to get anywhere, to get from point A to point B, and as in point A is one town, point B is another town or something like that, in New Hampshire, you pretty much just plan on driving an hour. I'd say that's fair, yeah. Yeah, like anywhere... anywhere it's a one-hour minimum. <laughs> right, right. Any, anywhere that you want to go within New Hampshire, like, just plan for driving an hour, uh, unless it's within the town that you already live in. So, uh, we're actually... We're, we're just going by the Silicon Mill Yard here. Uh, which is... Silicone? Silicone. Sorry. <laughs> I heard somebody call it Silicone Valley once. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was pretty funny. Yeah, those are very different things. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but Silicon Milliard, which, of course, is uh, Manchester, New Hampshire. Um, I, you know, I, I always wanted to use that more. and Maybe now that I'm thinking of it again, I will. I, I always want to say that Sovertech coming to you from the Silicon Milliard, even though we're... Not in Manchester. Not in Manchester. You know, it's still like... You could say we are at least an hour outside Manchester. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) So, anyway... You know what I said? So it's... We're driving down the road. It looks like it snowed recently. It is snowing. I looked around and I go... You know what? I don't even care. I fucking love New Hampshire. (laughs) You're right on. This is great. (laughs) Same here. So, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, some people... I don't... You know, I don't know what it is. I mean, like, some people can, can do the snow. Some don't care for it yeah it's true there's a range it's not for everybody no it's it's not not. i mean and that doesn't make one position invalid or whatever but uh but it's interesting that there is that kind of there can be that disparity so anyway um let's uh let's start opening this up because the relationship ramba shows where you can send in your relationship questions to sovereign tech a variety of ways of doing that it could be in the facebook group could be on the subreddit for sovereign tech our sovereign tech uh could be through patreon uh, of course, the only way we're going to really get an answer is through Patreon. But, you know, you can send them in and, and we go over them. And we've got a few here to get through. So this was uh, this is an interesting one. And I titled it, Getting Started on the News in Relationships. So I'll, I'll read it here. So I'd like some input on something. My wife has always been a very artistic type and is brilliant in everything she does in her field, but she was never really interested in what is going on in society in general. 
basically she has no idea. I like your wife. Yeah. <laughs> basically, she has no idea about current events and knows very little about politics, history, tech, sports, etc. So a lot of the information that reg- a regular person will be overloaded with on a daily basis, she is actually not subjected to in the same degree. She hasn't been able to avoid information about 9-11, ISIS, Trump being president, and celebrity gossip, but that's pretty much it. I mainly see this as a good thing, but she is getting the feeling that she wants to be more, quote-unquote, informed. Uh, let's see, she wants some advice on what to follow to get good information about current events. It's hard for me to make suggestions because I'm getting it from all over the place, and it's hard to point to specific places. Any suggestions? Um, Okay, I see what the title of that question means now. Yeah, so, and then there's just a little bit here. One thing I'm going to do is get her to watch more documentaries with me about all kinds of topics. For instance, I got her some Litecoin for her birthday, right on, Um, to spark an interest in cryptocurrencies. She started asking me questions that I really couldn't answer. I'll watch some Bitcoin slash cryptocurrency documentaries with her. So, okay, so do do we get the gist of the the question? Yeah, what news sources does somebody who's out of the loop follow? Yeah, like, is there an easy place to go to to find this sort of information, you know, especially on such a variety of topics? Because, you know, I'll say this quick. Yeah, it's tough. Like, it's, it's really tough because... Most news organizations aren't anarchists at all. Um, even a lot of anarchist news organizations are piss-poor anarchists. Uh, I mean, yeah, where can you go to, like, say, find that principled perspective or that perspective that, you know, has less bias, perhaps, than, than usual? Because usually, yeah, there's a lot of bias, you know, when you're watching CNN or Fox or whatever. So, yeah, so I understand the, the need for this. Go ahead. So, here's my answer. Wife, your first instinct was right on. Ignore the fucking news. (laughs) It'll make you a happier person. You can focus on your art, focus on your family. The things that really matter. Not this bullshit with the news. It is just way too easy to get bogged down in the news. Worry about it. Stress about it. Let it take up a lot of real estate and headspace in your head. And... I learned the lesson pretty early on in my life that it's just not worth it. I was a news junkie for a couple of years. My blood pressure's never been higher. I've never been more disgusted with politics. And it wasn't even, quote unquote, that bad back then. A lot of people would say things are getting worse. Right. (laughs) Um, It just does not make you a happy person. What makes you happy is, is not current events, but things outside of that. Like I said, your family, your relationships... Your, the things that are meaningful to you, what you, your passions in life, your projects that you're working on, the things that you want to accomplish. So with all that corny advice, you know, if you do decide that you still want to check out the news, that's okay. Um, you know, go for it, I would say. Like, there's, you know, doesn't hurt to, to just experiment and, and uh, try things and, you know, and see how that works out for you. Uh, you, you don't have to take my word for it that the news won't make you happier. Uh, you can try it yourself and see how, how that works. Um, but I think if you're going to do that, it's valuable to keep it in perspective. And just know that you're going to encounter some shit that's probably going to make your blood pressure rise. But in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter. It's going to be yesterday's news tomorrow. 
it doesn't necessarily affect your life there that much and it may not make you happier to have all this knowledge and so and it's optional you don't have to follow the news you've not been following the news up to this point and you've had a pretty good life I'm saying I'm thinking so <laughs> just keep all that in perspective if you are going to go down this road of exploring trying to be informed about current events now if you are looking for some news sources I really don't have any specific ones to point to and I know you're not going to like that because I know you want an easier answer to the situation you want some resources the only thing I'll say about this is that every news source no matter if it's anarchist or libertarian or voluntarist or whatever whatever thing you happen to agree with or or if it comes from a, a hippie or a leftist perspective if that that's what you consider yourself you know she's an artist she could be a hippie right um, <laughs> if it comes even if it comes from a perspective that you find yourself aligned with it's still going to be biased every news source has bias and the bias doesn't have to show up in obvious ways like the wording that they use or the way that they describe things it could show up in what they choose to fo focus on and what they choose to cover it could show up in things like who are their advertisers on their website you know it can show up in subtle little insidious ways the best thing you can do if you really want to be informed is read news from a variety of sources even those you disagree with especially those you disagree with because that gives you a balanced, well-rounded perspective. That's the only way to get a balanced perspective on things. That is the only way to get a well-rounded well perspective and develop your critical thinking so that you can recognize all the biases that you see. And then you can synthesize all that information together into an opinion that is your own. That's what I recommend. Now, that takes up a lot of brain power. And you may find after doing that for a little while that you're like, suddenly not that interested in following the news anymore because it just takes up a lot of brain power. But that might be something that you have to try and figure out for yourself. So there's my answer. Sure. No, I think that's a, that's a very solid answer. Um, my, my first part, or I guess my initial answer to this kind of dovetails off of what you were just saying. I mean, because you can really, you can read any news source and as, as long as you have like a really solid foundation of I don't want to say beliefs, but ideologies, maybe, I don't know. Like, if you know you're an atheist, you know, then when you're reading something and it says some bullshit about the Virgin Mary showing up, you know it's bullshit, right? Like, I mean, you've got, right. you know, as, as long as, as long as you have, like, a great foundation that, you know, like, electoral politics doesn't work, electoral politics never helps, um, you know, I mean, like, a lot of these different ideas, then you can really consume anything that kind of comes your way. Uh, the places where I find that news that news can be, you know, so I, I hope, I mean, that, that you were kind of already saying that, Stephanie, so I don't think I need to spend a ton of time on that. Well, Which, no, it's worth repeating because news is designed to get under your skin. It's designed to scare you so that you want to pay more attention to it in the future. Yeah. It's designed to make you think that you need that news or else you're missing some important information. It's designed to make you feel that FOMO and that dependence on it. Right. And that can get really unhealthy really fast. Right. Yeah, I mean, and really, the, the only way, in my opinion, to genuinely, you know, build a foundation of understanding, or, and this is also a great way, really, to be informed. I mean, my favorite sources, it, it can still happen, but it, it's a lot harder, I think, to, to bullshit, and it's also a lot easier to spot bullshit 
if you read like a really, really big book on a subject, and I mean like a long form read, none of this shit online because that all, you know, you know what I love about books? The money is not connected to the internet. Well, I love that, (laughs) but the money is in you buying the book. Yeah. You know, you don't have to worry about advertisers. You don't have, I mean, not to say that they won't toss them in anyway. I know those kind of deals get made. But, you know, you don't really have to worry about advertisers. You don't have to worry about ad blockers. You don't have to worry about all this horse shit, whatever. Um, but, like, long, you know, being informed, like, knowing what's going on every single day is its own risk. You know, it comes with its own challenges. comes with its own detriments. And, and I think that if people read more long form uh, 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 studies you know or case study uh, whatever word I'm looking for you know information about a situation or about something that went down um, you'd be much better off you know reading books about something is just I mean that is the ultimate way to get informed full on books that take years to write and that gives time for perspective to develop and even change throughout the writing I think that's so that's so key. Uh, I mean, places where you can find fairly good actual news sources online, you know, even if there is somewhat of a bias or whatever, usually is in the niche, like in niche categories. Uh, and, and it's usually like, you know, sometimes it's an independent blogger. I mean, there's nobody who's on YouTube that I'd listen to about news. I mean, nobody. Like, I, I wouldn't even... Except for, you know, unless it's like like with computer security, sure, there's ThreatWire, you know, there's some interesting ones. Um but, uh, like, you know, a great news source, I think, would be, like, antiwar.com. But that's a niche. That's a very clear niche on, like, U.S. foreign policy, right? That's not sure. going to tell you about what's happening here in, you know, I don't know, what the latest whatever is, you know. Uh, but that that's a great news source. And, and there, there's there's a couple others maybe along those lines. But if that's what you want to know, I mean, you can, I'll tell you, you read antiwar.com for a while, you can come off... Seeming very intelligent very quickly because you're getting takes that just aren't aren't available anywhere else. Um, so reading reading books, you know, having that foundation, building that foundation, reading long form books is more important than reading websites and knowing what's happening with the latest thing. Because if you internalize the information you learn about a book, say you read about World War One, look, things that happen in World War One still affect what happens today. You know, still have their their basis in what happened a hundred years ago. And so having that, again, having that foundation is so important. Um, the other thing, like, even if a news source is bullshit, and I'll give an example, you can still get some great stuff out of it. So you don't necessarily want to write off certain news sources. Like you mentioned watching documentaries. Okay. Uh, one of our favorite documentary series is Ancient Aliens. Now, you know, calling it a documentary might be gracious, but I have a a point in bringing this up. I watch the show, personally, you know, I'll speak for myself. I watch the show knowing, or, you know, with the the long-held and, I think, evidence-based belief that aliens have not been to Earth. Aliens are not on Earth right now. Aliens are not interfering with the evolution of mankind, blah, blah, blah. That's exactly okay. what an alien would say. What well, a lizard true. alien. That's would, a good point. Would say That's a good on a point. podcast. So yeah, well, <laughs> you know, you got to trust your sources, but maybe <laughs> maybe you shouldn't trust me. <laughs> but anyway, so, but that doesn't mean when I watch that show, which that show is all about everything I just said, 
but there's so many beautiful nuggets of historical eccentricities, historical oddities, and alternative perspectives on certain events and certain things that are priceless. They are so priceless. But I watch it knowing that the basic premise is incredibly flawed. But that doesn't mean you can't get great info out of it. Sure. I think so, there's grains of truth in almost everything, as evidenced by ancient aliens. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and you don't... The thing is, like, learning to develop the skill of being able to read something or watch something without having to buy into all of it or agree with all of it right. is very useful. Because sure. then suddenly you're open to hearing all kinds of things that could be 95% bullshit, but if there's a grain of truth in there, you might be able to take that, mine it, carry it with you, put it together with other things that you hear in the future. Exactly. And synthesize a whole outlook or worldview or what opinion or what you think about it right. from multiple different sources, cherry-picking what you like or agree with out of each one. Yeah. They yeah. say the hallmark of an educated mind is being able to read something. What is what is that expression? The hallmark of an educated mind is being able to read something and that you don't entirely agree with or something like that. Uh, you something disagree, like that. Disagree with? Yeah. Like, yeah. Sure. I, I can't I, remember the stupid yeah, phrase. Yeah, right I, I get your point though. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. I, I mean, and so that that that's again, I think where you know, know your foundational beliefs on things and then you can kind of take on anything and you can take what's useful from whatever you happen to consume you know and and get a boy get a great sense of history and that really only comes from reading books that does not come from uh, you know reading um, you know reading blog posts and all that stuff uh, you know just another quick thing that I think is actually really a really helpful source are magazines. Like, there's these magazines, like, All About Space, All About History. That's the name of them. Um, and there's a few others. Those are actually great. They're like they're like blog posts the way they should be done to where there's a lot of thought put into them. There's time. It's not like, oh, this has to get out today and blah, blah, blah. Like, there's not that rush, rush, rush that, that leads people to, to unfortunate conclusions and relies much upon sensationalism. Not that magazines don't need some sensationalism to sell them off the shelves or to sell them digitally. But I think magazines are a tremendous, beautiful, curated resource of information that you can more slowly consume and you're not inundated um, with a bunch of other crap, you know, say on the web page or something. So uh, so that that's helpful too. So, all right, do we want to move on to another one? Is that pretty good? Sure. I love how we didn't actually give any specific recommendations. Well, I get Yeah, sure. Like, I think that's an important one. Um, I If I... I might put a couple others in the show notes that you can check out. Okay. Uh, and, and then people can kind of go from there. Sure. Thanks for the question. Yeah. So, okay. Here's a here's an interesting one. And this is one sentence. Very basic. But uh, might be one of the most important questions to ever get asked in history of mankind. When do you know you're in love? Oh. That, that is it. Dun, that, that, dun, dun. That is the question. Wow. Uh, do you want it? you want to take this from the top or I can start off or... <laughs> uh, yeah you you can start off okay I'll, I'll jump in boy when do you know you're in love um, so the I think the you start just know, Brian. you that's, just that's know that's the traditional you answer just feel that it. this person has probably heard yep 
You just it, feel it, it balls to bone. A know? simple answer to a simple question. Yeah. That's really more complicated than that. But well, but you know, I think there actually is a little something to that idea of like you just know. Like if it's hard for me to answer this because I am one of those people who has strong intuitions about things, uh-huh. and I I get a strong gut feeling or just. I just know, like, when I want to move somewhere or when I think it's time to change jobs or when I think I have an intuition about a person, I think this person is a scumbag or I think this person is great. Like, I just know. I'm not exactly sure how I know sometimes. Sometimes I can articulate it and give a total logical argument why. Other times I'm not quite able to articulate it yet, but I usually can in the future. But first thing I have is like a strong intuition or gut feeling about it and there is something to be said for trusting that because if you get those that means your unconscious mind usually and your conscious mind are putting together a lot of different information and spitting out an output which is you call a gut feeling but you may not even realize it but that's the result of a lot of careful calculation that may not have even been going on at a conscious level so I'm a big fan of gut feelings and intuitions especially if you're a person who gets them frequently and has a good track record of them being right sure um okay so I guess to my answer um I I mean the easy answer is here's the easy answer but there's a lot behind it Okay. The easy answer is is that when you constantly wonder about something that you experience alone, what someone else would think about it, mm. and and I think that that's that's when you know, oh, this is turning into this is turning into love. Now, some people could say that that applies to friendship. Well, that gets into this is gets more into the background. And right. What exactly love is love, right? What, yeah. Are there multiple different kinds of love? Uh, right, right. So, so yeah, the background question is, is you have to be able to answer for yourself what you think love is. And that's very important. And a lot of people have a lot of different definitions. And not to say one is invalid and the other isn't, you know, that one's valid and one isn't. Um, but, you know, people have different definitions of love. I mean, like, it's hard for me in many ways, really, to separate what's friendship and what's, like, love. You know, like like friendship and romantic love are, are so many times like real friendship. You know, serious friendship. Yeah. Um, you know, like romantic love is a hop, skip, and a jump. Not not even. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I think, and so that you know that can be. You know, when I was younger, that was one of the biggest challenges uh, for me. Was wait a minute. You know, like when does especially when your basis of a relationship is that you're friends first, mm-hmm. which is a good idea, um, you know, you generally, like, yeah, when when does it become, you know, something more, uh, and does it feel any, does it actually feel any different other than you finally had sex or something like that? Mm-hmm. So, yes, you have to be able to ask, to answer first what you actually think uh, love is, to, to really know when, when you're feeling it. Uh, but, you know, for me, again, the, the simple part is just... Like, when you're wondering more about what the other person thinks about it, uh, you know, when, when, when that's becoming a very regular occurrence in everything. Um, because that's when it sounds like mentally you want this person in your life next to you at all times. Yeah. Because you want, to, you want, 
you want to know what they think. For you sure. Know, you want to know. And, and I mean, for you me... You want to share experiences with them and life with them. Yeah. And so, I mean, for me, like, my definition of love is the one that Robert Heinlein gave, which is love is when your happiness is intertwined with someone else's happiness. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's part of, of what I've just described. That when you're thinking about what someone else thinks about something, that's part of that coming to fruition where... Yeah, you know, they're, you're wondering about, you know, how does this make, you know, happiness is the goal of life, and so how, how do they feel about this? Does this make them happy? Things like this, you know. And you're not losing your individuality. It's just that your happiness becomes intertwined with someone else's. It's not that your happiness goes away. It's not that you become a slave or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It, it's just, it's, a, it's, it's mixed, you know. Well, what if it was unrequited love? I was just thinking about that. You know, could could your happiness be intertwined with someone's someone else's happiness who doesn't feel the same way about you? And Absolutely. That would kind of make you into a slave, I guess, in some ways. Well, not not exactly, because then if it really if their happiness really means that much to you, mm-hmm. then you know you'll let them do what they do. Yeah, sure. Right? That's a very uh, progressive and very uh, generous and open-hearted definition of love. I I agree. Um, it, it would be possible. I I could imagine how it would be possible to experience a love like that that's unrequited. Um, I wouldn't want to stay in that state for too long. Like, uh, for me, like, reciprocated romantic or mutual romantic love has elements of, like, trust to it. Sure. And investment of feelings and resources. And uh, I guess, like, having the emotional stakes or just the stakes in general be kind of equal mm-hmm. having a reciprocity of, of the level of feelings and being on the same page about about your feelings for each other uh, trusting each other yep. you know because it, it is always a risk when you fall when you let yourself fall in love or when you when it sort of happens to you there inevitably it always comes with that that you could get hurt suddenly sure. the emotional stakes are a lot higher. What happens if you lose that love? Or what happens if the other person stops feeling the same way about about you? And that is just wrapped up in love. It's just part of love. And if you want to experience love, you also have to take that risk. But that's almost like, it's almost like staking something. It's like proof of stake. Or <laughs> it's like, it's almost like you're, you're staking something to show your feelings, your heart, to show how much this means to you and that makes it even more meaningful yeah you know and and, I mean also like you've got to pay really close attention to like I think because there can be false signals of of, that you're in love and those false signals can come from a variety of sources Uh, I mean like there's so many there's so many like your dick yeah right sure (laughs) yes your your dick your puss whatever I mean (laughs) You know, there's so many chemical reactions that happen between humans. Genuinely, yeah. you know, this isn't some Especially bullshit. Especially with physical touch, You're right? Sex. Right. When there comes to physical contact, a lot of this other stuff. I mean, like there, there are things, there are signals that there are chemicals that can go off in your body that resemble uh, the feel, you know, feelings perhaps that you get when you're in love, when, you know, when you're feeling passionately towards somebody or something like that. But they may not actually be love. I mean. You know, this is this is an old this, this is as far as I know true, but it's an it's an old uh, uh, factoid, which is that eating chocolate 
creates many of the same chemical reactions within your body that, you know, arguably what feeling in love uh, does, you know, which, I mean, how do they even know what feeling in love feels like and all this stuff? Well, I mean, that, that study gets into a whole bunch of that. But the point being is that there's a, you know, a lot of times you can think you're in love, but yeah, not really. You know, like, like there, there can be false signals and you want to pay attention to that. You want to be knowledgeable of the fact, in fact, I mean, a great thing to do, read up what happens to the human body when you are in love, when you're having sex, when you're doing this, like what happens inside? And I don't mean emotionally. I mean, what happens chemically? What happens biologically? And that way you can, at the very least, know when, you know, because maybe more important is, maybe the more important question is, when are you not in love? <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and you need to be able to answer that and know that perhaps more so. You know, it, it's like, um, uh, what, what do they say about, you know, like the people that uh, make forgeries of, yeah. of like, uh, you know, uh, dollars and, you know, uh, what are they, what do you call that? Counterfeit? Counterfeit. You know, counterfeiting. They say, you know, you don't make great counterfeits by making great counterfeits. You make great counterfeits by knowing the original perfect like right. perfectly, but like knowing it so well, you know, you have to know the dollar bill so well to make a perfect copy of it. You know, you, you can't just like shortcut and make all these little tricks. So you need to know the fake before you, in the way you know, well, anyway, you, you, you get my point. Yeah. So you need to know when it's not real. You, you need to know when it's fake. That, that's the point I'm making. Um, you got anything to add on that? Um, yeah, I, oh, I think that knowing the difference between real love and fake love is is very hard to articulate. It's but it's something that most people learn with experience. Yes. And you gotta sometimes you just gotta go out there and get that experience. And you might need to get hurt a few times because that'll be part of it. Sure. Yeah. For sure. Sure. Because you are gonna think fake love is real love and you are gonna get hurt. And right. Hopefully you learn from that. It teaches you important lessons, and you don't have to repeat them over and over again. You right. have to keep getting hurt over and over again. But yeah, there is going to be pain and growth and learning the difference. Um, I wish there was like I wish it was simple as like having a checklist that we could give you that said, okay, if you have like one from column A and one from column B, then you're in love. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it isn't that simple. Um, if you feel a lot of doubt. If, if you think you might be in love, but you're feeling doubt, you're like, well, is this actually love? Um, that could be for a number of different reasons. It could be because of something you experienced in the past, because of your, your templates for relationships or your, your family history or your childhood or whatever. It could be that you're just second-guessing yourself and you're not really trusting yourself and it has nothing to do with the other person. Or it could be that you do have doubts about this other person and you're not sure that they can be resolved and you're not sure that it, that you're really not sure that it is love and you should like listen to your, your feelings like that. So I don't know. I mean, I think that's something you kind of have to figure out for yourself. Yep. And you might make mistakes, but that's just part of life. All right. Well, I think that's got it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously that, that one question could get talked about for three, four, five, for a lifetime. This is what poets do, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Well, did you ever, like, did you ever have somebody not take you seriously when you said you were in love? Because I, I have. Like, well, I, I remember, you know, being in my late teens, early 20s, into my early 20s, 
and I'd be talking to my boyfriend on the phone and I'd say I love you or something like that uh-huh. and my parents would hear me and they would give me this look like oh you don't know what love is that's just bullshit you know like they obviously did not take me seriously but I do believe that in at least some of those cases yes I was experiencing love sure um yeah I've I guess I've experienced that where somebody didn't take me seriously. But, like, I didn't talk to my parents much about that sort of thing. I didn't talk much to adults about that sort of thing. Yeah. Not when I was a teenager, anyway. Once you're not a teenager anymore, then people usually will take you seriously. Well, I didn't talk to them either, but part of the reason was that... They I, overheard I, I, I knew it, right? they. I knew they wouldn't take it seriously. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Well, but, I mean, but there is there's a flip side to that. Like, I'll tell you... So, in fact, I tell this story a lot uh, because I just, I still think to this day it is so ridiculous. Um, There, so, I won't go into the reasons why I was at this. I was at a Demi Lovato concert, okay? Actually, it was a Justin Bieber concert. Demi Lovato was the opening act. Okay. This was, I don't know, 2010, 2011, something like that. Okay. And Demi Lovato's out there, who she's still kind of a bigger pop singer, she's you know, more adult now, but she was a teenager anyway at the time, you know, kind of a Hannah Montana clone of sorts. And she said, she's about to sing this song and she says to the whole crowd, now let's understand this at this concert, okay, it was at the New York State Fair at this concert, she like the average age had to be eight, you know, like eight years old and obviously mostly female, right? And she says, hey, have any of you out there ever really had your heart broken? <laughs> and like, and, yeah, and, at age eight. And I'm like, at age eight? Like, what the hell are you talking about? You know, so like, I didn't take it seriously at that time, but I think I was kind of justified in that. Mm-hmm. Like, that was kind of crazy. How so, old was she? Oh, well, she was a teenager. She might okay. have been six, 15, 16, 17, 18. I don't know. Like, it's even crazy that she was singing about it. Right. In a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. I don't know. There's a lot to say around that, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's important to try and take people seriously. Or if if you're if you don't take them seriously, explore it with them. Don't just like roll your eyes or something. So, but I rolled my eyes at that because I just thought that that was bad shit insane. That that was like even being proposed, you know, at, at, under such a venue. Anyway, do you want to change it up? Uh... Well, I just want to say that, yeah, I, I appreciate your story, and it is kind of ridiculous, like, some of the pops, pop stuff, and I, it, it makes you think there is a conspiracy to, like, push sexuality younger and younger and younger and sexualize young girls, and that's, like, a whole separate discussion. Oh, yeah. But I do believe that young people can experience love. Yes. And, I mean, certainly young people, ex- the first love you experience is for your parents. It's not a romantic yeah. love, but yeah. it's, it's, like, it's a love. It's a bond. And there are common elements. I, I think, like, it's tough in English because we only have one word for something that's really a lot of different things. Right. So, um, but it, there are at least commonalities that it makes sense that it's all called love. But um, I do think young people are capable of experiencing love. First, love for their caregivers and for their family and stuff like that. And and then perhaps for, for their friends. And then romantic love at a certain point later on. Um and I don't think it's ever really cool to, like, laugh at somebody if they say that they're in love, you know? Sure, sure. Because <laughs> that, that's not going to be very nice for them to hear either. <laughs> yeah. No, quick side tangent on that. Uh, you raise a great point. 
Yeah. And that is just how shitty, um, in my opinion, the English language really is. Uh, like, I, I think it's a shitty-ass fucking language. And I know there's people who make the exact opposite case. Uh, I can understand maybe uh, from a practical standpoint, where you can, or from a pragmatic stand, standpoint, you can make the, the opposite argument. But, like, the amount of, of positive, of complementary adjectives that the English language has, mm-hmm. compared to the amount of negative ones, <laughs> like, it's orders of magnitude different. There are so few positive, like, I don't even think there's a hundred mm. positive adjectives, you know, or complementary adjectives, but there's hundreds of negative ones. You know, it's, it's really, it's such a crazy, it's a crazy language. I think I could come up with more than a hundred positive adjectives, but I, I, I mean, I know what you're saying. It, it is true that language shapes thoughts. Sure. And I think that part of why our ideas in American culture are so problem about love are so problematic is because of this narrow, limited verbiage we have (laughs) to even describe love. Yep, absolutely. Part of that. And it makes me sad that so many Native American languages were lost because of white European colonialism. Because these peoples were wiped out and they were, a lot of them didn't, maybe didn't even have, some of them didn't have written traditions, yes, that's true, but Uh I mean, it could have it could have been preserved and written down or at least handed down and people could have spoken them but and it could have maybe even influenced the English language and, and it, there could have been a totally different American dialect with some of the ideas from the languages of native peoples included but it didn't go that way it went more in a direction of, uh, of mass killing and extinction of native peoples sure. which I think is really sad because you know we could have learned a lot from them our ancestors could have learned a lot from them Yep, I, I agree with that completely. And every, la- look, no language is perfect. Every language has problems to it. Yep. That's why I think it's great to learn multiple languages and be able to think and express yourself and even dream in multiple languages. That's when you know you're really integrating a language is when you start dreaming in it. Yeah, good point. Um, but yeah, I think it's great to be able to get, to expand your mind by learning different languages. Right. We, we just saw an article a little while back that uh, said that learning more than one language helps you become less prone to superstitious thinking. I thought that was really interesting. I bet it also helps you expand your definitions of love and friendships and all kinds of concepts and ideas behind and go beyond just the words, the limited words that one language has to describe them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, well said. So, okay, you want to move on to another, another question? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is a question, I'm going to have to read a little bit of an article here, because the question was, what are your thoughts on the changes that OkCupid made to its messaging? Oh, uh, okay, I'm glad we got to this question. I read this question, oh, okay. and then I read... You read the I article? Read about, yeah, I read about the uh, the changes to OkCupid's messaging system. Uh-huh. However, OkCupid also made a couple of other changes around the same time, so maybe we could talk about all these changes in context together. Sure. But first, the messaging change... Uh, to give a summary, basic. Do, would you like me to give a summary? Yeah, please. Okay. So the messaging change, they made it so that basically the most common situation is a single straight woman on OkCupid gets tons and tons of messages from rando thirsty guys. Yes. 
and she gets so many messages that she gets overwhelmed, throws her hands up, and doesn't check her mail at all, and abandons OkCupid. Yep. And I know women that that's happened to. I've seen the inboxes with hundreds to thousands of unread messages. Okay. And because you just can't keep up. Right. Um, and often a lot of them are horrible too. Sometimes there's a lot of harassment that goes along with those messages. A lot of disgusting, you know, like just basically the equivalent of whipping your dick out on a train kind of thing right. that goes along with those messages. And it turns women off as well. So what they did was they made it so that in order for someone to see a message that you send them, the first message, um, they have to like your profile. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So if you want a guy, so basically if you're a woman who's getting tons of messages, if you want to see a message that a guy sends you, you have to have liked his profile. And they also have some rotating algorithm where they show people like essentially, hey, like this person, you might be compatible. Hey, check this person right. out. You might want to like them. Kind of like how Facebook suggests friends. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it will do that if like if you've sent someone a message and they haven't liked you, it will show it will show them your profile and it'll say, "Hey, you might want to like this person." And then you'll then they'll see your message if they like you. But um, it's it basically like hides a lot of those unwanted messages. Sure. Um, so that was that was I think that is a major change to OkCupid's uh, messaging system. Okay. Another change that they made was they got rid of usernames. They are going to have your real name on your profile. You can connect it with Facebook and other social media now. And, yep, and they, they're getting rid of usernames. And the reason they gave for that was that some of the usernames were obscene or just really dumb or something like that. Yeah. Uh, some of them were just, just kind of weird sounding. But I think they want, like, essentially... Le they... They want less catfishing. They want less fake profiles. They want to cut down on the spam and right. make it a little more human. They want people to be able to be safer by finding out more about the other person in real life. Uh -huh. So they've so they've done away with the usernames and now they have like just a profile with your. I think it's just your first name on it. Okay. Um, is there another change? I think there is one more change, and now I can't remember what it is. <laughs> okay. But those two are pretty much enough to talk about. Okay. Well, that's good, because then I don't have to read the blog post. Yeah, uh, sure. You know, out loud, because I think you gave a great summary of it. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, me personally, I don't believe in the use of the... Or, I believe these sites exist. I don't believe in their use. <laughs> like, I think that they are a waste of... An absolute waste of time. I, I and, disagree with you there. Um, I... I, I believe that you can find a good match on these sites. I know friends who have. Uh, I know friends who have met the love of their life on OkCupid. I personally have used OkCupid in the past. I've met a lot of people through online dating over the 20 or so years that I've been using it. Uh, I didn't meet you through online dating, Brian, but I did meet you through the internet, so <laughs> there's something to be said for that. Um, but I, I, think they can, I think they can be a positive thing. I think the it depends on what your goals are. Sure. If your goal is to find the love of your life, mm -hmm. I think this is tantamount to playing the lottery, and the odds are just as bad. <laughs> and no one, no one would make an argument that somehow playing the lottery makes sense. 
Or, I mean, yeah, there's people who would make that argument, I guess. But well, you, you could make the argument that you can't win if you don't play. Yeah, but... But there are multiple ways to play. You don't have to use OkCupid. You don't have to use dating apps at all. And you can right. still meet the love of your life without doing that. That's right. for sure. Yeah. Just like there's far more better ways to earn a million dollars than to lay down a buck every week or however much you, you put down right. you know, to win the lottery. So that's that's my opinion on that. So just putting... I'm, I'm only mentioning this just to, to give you my bias that I don't like think these services are worth their time or their salt anyway. Uh, but... Based upon that, I'll say briefly what I heard. Uh, so the first change about the messaging, mm. I'm totally, I, I, I'm totally supportive of. You know, mm. like I mean, just there, there is such a disparity. Yes, the rules have to change. You know, like I, I mean, and, and they know, like they, they have all the, they have all the metrics and and data to say how, how their service is being used and how it works. Uh-huh. And it's and it's crazy, you know? Right. Uh, so, sure, I have no problem with that. People might want to come out and say, but what about individualism? What about the individual? Everybody should be treated the same. We shouldn't be basing anything on gender. God damn it. You know, and all this stuff. No. You know, like, they, they know with the way their service is working and the way all this shit is and, and the unfortunate existence of you know, like a, a male-dominated society, which I don't, I, I think is the reality of the situation, yeah, different rules are going to apply when it comes to the site. I mean, that's just, that's just how it's going to shape up. That doesn't mean I'm against individualism or treating people like individuals. You know, it's just like me. If I set up a spam filter, yeah, I mean, am I treating people wrong? If I suddenly say, God damn it, I don't want to receive this person's emails anymore, and so I have it go to the fucking spam. You know, mm-hmm. no, there's nothing wrong with that at all. No. You know, like I mean, and if if I set it for based upon you know some kind of whatever, like that's totally fine. Um, so I have no problem with that. The second thing about the real name policy, generally, I am against having a real name policy. Yeah, because what the net effect of that, if enough companies do it, is that your Facebook profile becomes your fucking driver's license and social security card. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, right, That that's where it can go. And um, also, like, you know, when you're online, you want to you have some degree of anonymity or, you know, anonymity is impo- can be important, okay? And the way that all of this, these services collate and, like, affect each other, you want anonymity everywhere you can go. But that said... Based upon what you're, what you're trying to do here, um, like we said earlier, relationships are so built upon trust. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if this is about you trying to find a fucking relationship, yeah, you're going to use your goddamn name. You know, like, sure. like what the hell's wrong with you? Of course, you're going to use your name. Sure. Uh, put, put that out there as a sign, as a sign that you're trustworthy. Yeah. You know, I think both of these changes, like you were trying to say a minute ago, I, I don't know if you said this super clearly, but both of these changes, what this is about, both of these changes, is incentivizing and encouraging women to feel safe yes. using the site. Because women are the cash cow in online dating. Yes. You have to have women. Women attract the men. Yes. If there are no women, you don't have a dating site. And women leave when they get so annoyed and overwhelmed because they're inundated with messages or messages from guys just going, Hey, look at my dick or whatever. Yeah. You know, uh, they, they leave, they don't like, 
they don't like complain about it and stick around and try to change the system. They just leave. They don't have to stay. They just fucking go. That's what women do. They leave if they're uncomfortable. In every situation in life, women leave if they are uncomfortable and unsafe. And you have to remember, guys, before you say, oh, well, they're just being too sensitive. Come on. Why, Why are those women doing that? A, you know, you really don't get to tell them how they should feel or how they shouldn't feel. You just have to accept the facts, which is that they, if they feel uncomfortable, they will leave. And it's easy for them to feel uncomfortable because women or people who are perceived as women experience constant sexual harassment, unwanted attention, threats, groping, violent to outright violence. It's a, it's a, it's a spectrum and it's constant. And if you experience that too, you would be doing the same exact thing that they are. Right. And it's just a fact of life. You have, if you want a woman to date you, to have sex with you, you have to make her feel so safe and comfortable doing so. You, you have, you, you cannot even give out slight little signals that are going to make her feel unsafe and uncomfortable, or she's going to run at the first sign of that. Most women are anyway. Yeah. So, you know, it's all about helping the women feel safe and comfortable so that they will stick around and use the site, making it a good user experience for women. And in turn, men are a little easier to please. They're going to stick around if there are women. (laughs) So they're making it a a better user experience for everybody that way. Yeah. And and it's a business decision for them because if they don't do this, they're going to die. Yeah, absolutely. People in 2018 are not going to be using a an online dating site that that has uh, people with sort of sketchy usernames and a lot of catfishing and a lot of spam. They're just not going to tolerate that. Right. They are not going to tolerate it. So that's what OkCupid is doing. Um, now, I can picture some guys being all butthurt about this and saying, oh, well, this is unfair because this girl's never going to see my message now. Now I don't even have a chance. Guess what? You didn't have a chance before either. <laughs> <laughs> You're not losing anything, okay? Right. That you know when you send girls messages and they don't reply, it nothing has changed for you. You're still going to send the messages and they won't reply. Now they just won't see them either. And it's it pretty much is it is as though they didn't see them either if they didn't reply. See, yeah, see that you're right. And that's the thing. This is part of where I think that and look like, I'm, I'm agreeing with these changes that they're making, and I don't even like the services. So it's not like right. I'm like, oh, yay, okay, Cupid, or anything like that. I'm not. Um, but but this is the thing. is that Like, I cannot imagine the woman who comes home from work, if she even comes home from work to do it, if she doesn't just do it at work, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, man, I can't wait to read all of those messages when I get home on OkCupid. Like, I just don't think that that person exists. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, oh, wow. So, yeah, I, I get this. I think you made great points on it, Stephanie. I mean, as to the why, um, I think they under they understand the why. And it's not something, I mean, this is very basic. This is how a website gets used. It's not like there needs to be a bunch of extenuating context mm-hmm. that you have to add into it. Like, oh, well, maybe this is happening because these people are predominantly religious or something like that. When you look at, like, statistics, they have to do with meat space and not online. Okay. You know, there's a lot of, the, you know, this is very basic by the numbers. This is what's happening. You know, it's not, it's not cherry-picking data. No, it's, they're not out to get the men. No. Men are not being oppressed no. by this. No, no, no. 
Right. So They are trying to improve the user experience for all of their users so that they can continue to be a profitable company. Absolutely. And that is that, and that this is what they need to do to modernize their website, to keep up with the times, and to survive as a business. Yeah. And they're not stupid, and they know that. Now, here's some tips. Uh, if you want to increase the chances of getting a response on an online dating site, don't just write the person a message and say, hey, or hey, beautiful. Don't tell a beautiful woman she's beautiful. I know that sounds like, I, I don't know what that sounds like. People are not going to like that advice, but I guarantee she's heard it so many times before. It's not going to be special. It's not going to be unique. She, pro- she may not even care what you think of how she looks and whether she's beautiful or not. She doesn't look the way she looks to please you, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, don't tell a beautiful woman she's beautiful like a- as the only thing. Like, because what is someone supposed to reply to that, right? Yeah. Oh, oh thank thanks, he You know, yeah. like, and then, and then what? Where does the conversation go? Go now? from there. Oh no yeah. Ever told me I was thank you. Would before. you like to fuck me? Right? Like, no one's gonna <laughs> say that, right? Be original. Find, read her profile. Find something on her profile. Doesn't matter what it is. It could be like, you know, just something casual. Ask her a question. Hey, I read your profile and I noticed that you went to, I don't know, this college. I went there too. Have you ever been to this restaurant in the right. area? You know, whatever. Uh, hey, I noticed that you were wearing a Bitcoin sweatshirt in your picture. Have you heard of this or what? You like, ask her a question. I noticed that you said you read this, you read this book and it was in your favorite books. What did you think of this chapter? You yeah, know, right. Ask right. her something like that and then really care about what she says in response. If yeah. you ask someone a question, and give them, give them a hook or a hand to grab onto as far as starting a conversation with you, you're much more likely to get a response than if you just talk at them by saying, hey, or what's up, beautiful? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, definitely don't go messages uh, with just like, I put dick in you and like the U is, <laughs> it's just you, it's just the letter yeah. U, you know? And before you think that doesn't happen, uh, yes, it yes, does. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, do you have anything more to add on that one? Um, yeah, don't make it too long either. Like, yep. I- I've I've heard, you know, some people do ask questions in their messages, but ask one question. Don't ask ten questions, and don't make it a huge, long, like, multiple paragraph message. Keep it light and casual. You know, it's just first message, so they may not even reply. You know, one question, see if they respond, and that's it. And if they don't respond, forget about it. It's like sending an audition for me. Like, I send a lot of auditions because I'm a voice actor. Yeah. It's like, okay, I send my audition. Here's my rate. Here's my availability. And then I forget about it. And if they reply, then, okay, oh, cool. They're interested. If they're not, I've forgotten about it already. Yeah. Uh, All that's solid, what you said. But it's such a game, you know. And, and to me, like, love is not a game. What is, online dating yeah, or okay, yeah, it, like or it's just all, dating in general? No, well, even dating in general in a very real sense, I think. I don't know. But whatever. That That's just me. I'm just being old and cranky. So, <laughs> don't Well, aren't you glad me. you don't have to worry about that, sweetheart? Uh, you got well, a nice partner. 
and I am so happy that I have a partner, a partner that, that thankfully had more guts than I did to ask me out. But, <laughs> Going against all the rules. Yeah. We need like a movie trailer yeah. for that. But <laughs> She broke all the rules. <laughs> Will she get the man? <laughs> well, if anybody's broken all the rules, it's you. You really, you have, you're amazing. Aw, thank you. So. Rule breaker. Alright, yeah. Um. So, all right, uh, do you want to move on to another one? Uh, sure, yeah. Okay. So, here's this. Um, okay, I'd love to hear your take on this situation. This is kind of, this is a little lengthy. My friend has been married. I don't know exactly how long, but I want to say like five to seven years. Her husband has two kids from a previous marriage. Oh, that's a mistake. Uh, sorry, sorry, that was Oh my question. God, no. so much judgment. <laughs> Shut up. Read the question. Are you reading on? My friend has been an incredible stepmom to these kids and considers them her own, but she's also always wanted to have a biological child of her own. They've been talking about having a baby and planning for it for years. She has to have surgery before she can get pregnant. She got permanent birth control when she was really young and it has to be surgically reversed. So anyway, the surgery had been scheduled and everything, the ball is rolling, and then he tells her he changed his mind and doesn't want to have a baby. So they're getting divorced. Wow. Um, okay, so what's concerning to me is how my partner reacted to telling him about, or telling, reacted to me telling him about this. I support my friend 100%. I expressed, I, I expressed my partner, to my partner, that I feel really sad for her that she's going through this because it's such a huge life change and it must be so hard. But also that I think she is 100% making the right choice. This guy is going to prevent her from doing something that's incredibly important to her. My partner's reaction was basically just, quote, what about the kids though, end quote. Yeah, it'll be hard on them. Not as hard as having parents who resent each other because they stay together even though they want different things. These people are mature and reasonable. It's an amicable breakup. They intend to work together to make it as easy on the kids as possible. Just as I know my partner... It's just as... Okay, yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, okay. Just as I know my partner and I would be, or would, if we ever decided not to be together anymore. I'm all for working through hard problems to save a relationship, if that relationship is right for you. But there are just some things that are deal breakers. Anyway, I've just been thinking about this because it seems like a good opportunity for my partner and I to talk about how we might handle a similar situation if it ever came up, which I really don't picture happening, but you never know. So, okay, I just, I want to, I want to open up with a point that I've, you know, I've gone through a divorce. Uh In fact, it was a divorce where there were children that were hers, my exes, three of them, uh, before we got married. I have no biological children, and now I can't have biological children. Same deal. You know, my, um, you know, I have a vasectomy, so not happy. Um, And... Like, actually, and I I can admit, too, that there was a point where my ex said, hey, you know, and this is before I got my vasectomy, even though I would have gotten it when I was young if I could have, the doctors just, you know, they they wouldn't wouldn't do it. They wouldn't see it my way. Um, But she wanted to have a biological baby with me. Now, myself, I felt like it was was like an attempt at at entrapment, right? Like it was a way for her to try and keep me in the marriage because maybe she was consciously or unconsciously aware that this was falling apart, this wasn't working. You know, I don't know. And, and I mean, all of that's guesswork, and it's kind of even pointless to go down that road. But 
in reference to the kids, the, the you know the, the pre-existent kids. Okay, look, if you go through life, consciously or unconsciously, showing kids that love and relationships are about doing what's best for other people, not for your own happiness. Okay. They're going to they're gonna pick that up. They're going to see, and that's going to model for them their future relationships that, well, you know, relationships are about suffering through a bunch of shit until kids get old enough or something like that. Like, you're going you're gonna to show them so many bad models of what love is, what relationships are, and whether, you know, you could pretend to be happy all day long. Kids are far too smart, though. They're going to pick up on the fact that you are essentially in this, or either the, either the dad or the mom, whatever, that they they're in this, you know, for reasons that don't have to do with actual love or with their happiness. So that I think that that's far worse to stay together for the kids. I, I don't think that that's, I, I guess I could imagine some extenuating circumstances where that does make sense, but those are pretty extreme circumstances. In general, I don't think that it's healthy to stay together for the kids and, you know, for them to see you being constantly unhappy because you're modeling for them some very unhealthy relationship attitudes for the future. Uh, so that that's my my first statement to make, you know, on that. But Stephanie, what do you want to say on that? Um, well, just about what you said, Brian, about the idea of staying together for the kids. Yeah. Obviously, the ideal situation is that a kid's parents stay together and love each other and have a healthy relationship. Sure. That is the best outcome. That outcome no matter how hard you try, is sometimes not really possible. Right. And so, what is the next best thing? And I agree with you that if it's not possible to have a, a happy, loving relationship and stay together, and you better try your damnedest. You better try everything you possibly can, because that would be, you want the best for your kids, right? Yeah, you I mean, your, when kids are on the line, you damn right, you try right. your hardest, yeah. That's a person, and it, it is not an easy decision or one that I think anybody really takes lightly. Right. You know, I think everybody knows that it's going to affect kids negatively if you either break up or if you stay together but hate each other, you know. Um, so I hope nobody takes that lightly, and I don't think they do. But, you know, if that ideal outcome of staying together and being happy isn't possible, then, yeah, I mean, I think it is totally acceptable to break up rather than model for kids that being unhappy, <laughs> model for kids an unhappy relationship where people are sacrificing their own preferences and, yes. and you know, sacrificing and being miserable and resenting each other. And it's going to, and that resentment is going to come out in other ways, believe me. Yeah. And, or especially if you know, someone is abusive, right? Then it's like, okay, you can't stay together and you can't be happy if someone's, if, if someone is abusive, you know? Right, right. Um, you have to get out. So, um, so yeah, that's what I would say about that. Um, now, so the question asker's husband, who is not supportive of this, uh, of, of the question asker's friend, who is leaving the marriage, because her husband has changed his mind about wanting to have kids with her. Um, oh boy, that's a little bit of a complicated like <laughs> pro pronoun situation. Yeah. But uh, the husband said, oh, she's being so selfish, she's leaving because you know, what about the kids? Well, it's just as much his fault, the guy who changed his mind about not wanting to have children. Right. 
because he knows that his existing kids are going to lose their stepmom, you know, who has right. been a great stepmom to them. And he is selfishly choosing his own preferences over what would probably be best for his kids, which is not breaking up their, their step family. Um, so he's just as much at fault for the kids' lives being disrupted as she is, I would say. And it's important to look at it that way, that there are people sharing the blame for this. Um, now, I don't begrudge him for, for changing his mind, I guess, about wanting to have, have biological children. Uh, you know, people are allowed to change their minds and everything like that. Maybe when she got this, when she went to go get this reversal, this fertility surgery, you know, it made it a little too real for him and he realized he wasn't ready for that. Perhaps his financial situation changed. Perhaps, perhaps his health situation changed. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of factors that could have played into it. Or he could have just literally just changed his mind. Nothing like that could have changed. He could have just changed his mind. And that's, and that's okay. I mean, our reproductive choices are really important to, yeah. be, to be our own and to make our own. Yeah, we need to have freedom in that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I do feel bad that this family is going to break up sure, because of it. But I don't place all the blame on her. No. Um, so, I mean, I, I, agree with, uh, I agree with the question asker there. Uh, as far as what would happen if the question asker and her husband ever have a disagreement like this, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it seems like you're a little bit on different pages <laughs> as far as as far as what you think about this. Uh, hope that that never comes up. <laughs> it's really those things are about. When, it, when it's not about you, when you're having an argument with your partner about another couple or a situation another couple is going through or something like that, um, it's not about you, so it's not an immediate concern, but it can be concerning because it highlights the way you fight about something like this or that perhaps you have different opinions or different beliefs about it and you start to worry, oh, may, will this affect us in the future somehow? I'm a little bit concerned about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so... I don't know what to say except maybe it's it's a lot in relationships about the way you talk to each other and like sort of the meta the meta talk and the you know the the communication styles and to improve that is for a lot of people a lifelong journey maybe it would help to have a professional you know maybe it would help to read some books about communication and relationships and fighting fair and that, that kind of thing and um identify what your problems are or what your friction points are. If you have a a repeating fight that comes up over and over again, that might be a great thing to talk to a couple's counselor or therapist about or to get a book about and read the book together and discuss it. Um, And I think everybody has that. It's not like you're the only couple that has difficulty with fighting and communication because every couple does to some extent or another, you know, very few people are raised with like super healthy models for relationships and super healthy models for communication, you know, and everybody has their triggers and their defense mechanisms and things like that. So just realize that that's normal, but it can be worked on and improved. And especially if you're willing to, and especially if you're willing to be proactive about it, uh, there are lots of resources for you. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said, Stephanie. Um, I would, and I'm not, I'm not putting the blame on the woman. Like, I, I just wouldn't do that. The woman uh, who wants to have the baby. Yeah, who wants to have the baby and all that. I mean, if I were the guy, if I were, you know, the husband or whatever... You know, I would really, 
Like, I'd be, like, I, I don't, and maybe this is just me, and I'm not a mother, obviously, uh-huh. uh, so maybe this is something I can't understand, but even my understanding of biology, I don't understand it, you know? Like, what I don't I don't I don't understand the the importance around a biological baby. Mm-hmm. Like I really don't get it. It, yeah. it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I could I can understand to a degree I guess where a person wants to go through the the circle of life the cycle of life and you know be pregnant and what that's like to to go through and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could get that you want to experience that. Um, that. I don't know. It, it's kind of weird. It does. That does seem like a very high price to pay. I mean, I mean, I can only guess what you know. We can all you know. There's understandings a three-edged sword. Your side, their side, and the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, but like, I, I am having a hard time grasping how wanting to to experience that, wanting a biological baby, is tantamount to ending a what otherwise was a beautiful relationship Mm -hmm. unless it wasn't unless there's a lot of other underlying problems you know then of course I get it sure um but I'm not blaming anybody here I'm just saying that like I don't I don't have an understanding of the importance of biological children you know uh and and where like sacrificing any real world relationship makes sense for that like I, I just I don't yeah I mean I have a little bit of a hard time understanding it too um I mean, I know that being pregnant or having biological children does reduce your risk for ovarian cancer, and I, I well, kind of I kind of right. doubt that's why she wants to yeah. have a baby, yeah. but it might factor in. I don't. I, who knows? But like, it's not completely stupid to to think that there might be some benefits to being pregnant or just or just that maybe she just wants to experience what birth is like she wants well that's what i was saying like that kind of bond with with her child that you can only really have if you experience those hormones together yeah you know Uh, but i mean i think it's a bond of experience i don't know well you're the you're the phd i i I shouldn't even No, i mean those hormones are no joke they're really powerful and maybe she maybe she wants to experience that greatest love of her life you know because that's what it will be uh, that's what everybody says anyway. So Yeah, right. Maybe she just really wants that. Um and I'm I'm not gonna tell her she's she's stupid for wanting that no, or she, or no, she no, shouldn't no. want that. Nope, I um, wouldn't say that either. But you know, there is also other factors that come come in and I'm sure they've talked about all of this at length. I'm sure they've talked about it ad ad nauseum and they just were at an impasse. But there's also factors too, like when somebody has adopted child adopted children and biological children or when people someone has stepchildren and biological children there can always be a sort of competition like among the children right like oh mm. my mom loves this baby more than me because it's she's her real mom and she's just my stepmom you know right they the children can sense that that bond, you know, and, and they may feel jealous, you know, or they may feel, they may feel that they'll, they'll never be able to measure up to the biological child. So it could create a lot of friction between the kids themselves. Right. Um, that's not necessarily a reason to avoid doing it, but, uh, it could be a concern that the dad has, you know? Sure. Sure. Yep. That, that could very well be. 
so, well, anyway, I mean, that's, that's all. I just wanted to point that out. I'm not making any kind of big point. I mean, you know, the number one concern for people is to just, as long as they're happy, be happy, you know, whatever that takes, um, right. you know, go after, I, I say this all the time. I mean, just go after your happiness with a ferocity. I mean, mm-hmm. like really, so that's okay. Um, yeah. And if you can break up relationships amicably, I mean, fucking awesome when that can happen, you know, I mean, uh-huh. like that's, that's really great. Um, I've had relationships end very amicably. Um, I think you have Stephanie mm-hmm. where like, it's just totally peaceful and everybody gets it, you know, like, well, no, our, our needs are going to get met in another way. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's awesome. Um, anyway, I think that, are, are you good on that one? We can wrap this up. Sure. Okay. So that's it for this month's Relationship Rhombus show. We do have other questions uh, that we didn't get to this time around, but I'm sure we'll get to in the future because there will be one for January. Um, And you can always send in more if you like. Stephanie, of course, as always, thank you for being on for this. Thank you for having me on. Check us out at Sex and Science Hour podcast at sexandsciencehour.com or soundcloud.com slash sexandsciencehour. Yeah, I was going to actually say that, too. If you ever want to hear more of this kind of talk, we do have an hour show that we do every week. And we do take relationship questions as well. That we do. So anyway, I will see you on the other side. But anyway, wow, what was that? A chunk of ice. Oh, okay. Well, that was fun.